So yeah, this is the question we're asking ourselves uh, today. We'll get to it. Uh, how am I any different? That's the question we have this, this morning. We've been talking about uh, this idea that God cares about our work. And so we're in a series, what we call Working for the Man. And uh, it's the idea that we were created to create. We were created to work. That the fall, when sin came, God didn't invent work. It wasn't like everything was going along great. And then God, you know, kind of cursed us with work. God had given us something to do. We were supposed to be stewards of creation. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, it says, uh, prior to any sin entering the world, it said, um, cultivate the garden, tend the garden and cultivate it. And so we tend to think of work or anytime we have to do chores or, you know, if you're a kid and you have to make your bed, we think of this as a curse, you know, if you have to fold laundry or whatever. And so we've been asking ourselves the question, is God... Does God care about our work? And the, the things that we've been saying is we've been kind of extending it. It's not just our work like nine to five, but does God care about how we go to school? Does God care about how we do our chores? Does God care about um, how we, if you're in ministry, how, how, how do we pastor? How do we shepherd? How do we do all this kind of stuff? If you're a stay-at-home mom, does God care about how you change diapers and all that kind of stuff? And so the, the main verse that we've been kind of looking at uh, is this one in Colossians 3.23, that whatever we do, we do as under the Lord, not as under men. And so, and so we, we kind of, in, in that section of Scripture, we open this up to think whatever you do, whatever it is, you're in your commute, all this kind of stuff, we do it as under the Lord. And so uh, the kind of the main point that we've had over this last time is that there's no secular work and there's no menial task. We tend to think of the pastor as having the job that's most important because he's the pastor. But, uh, and the pool guy, well, not so much. It's, that's secular work. What we've been talking about is everything we do has eternal impact. And so the guy who's senior pastor or whatever is no different than the person who waits tables. There's no secular work. We do everything to the glory of God. As a matter of fact, we could make the argument that you have more of a kingdom impact at your work than a pastor does who's not doing his job with his whole heart as under the Lord. If you're doing your job as under the Lord and your pastor's not doing his job as under the Lord, you're having a bigger impact. So we talked about that. And then uh, from there, we went into uh, this idea about our time, that God has given us the number of our days. And we talked about, we were saying, God, show me how fleeting my life is and show me the number of my days that I can present to you a heart of wisdom. And we talked about that how we spend our time is how we spend our life. There's nothing really like <laughs> too terribly difficult about that statement. It's very easy. You could have come up with it in five minutes. It, but think about that. That God has placed a stewardship on our time. He's allotted to us this much time. What are we going to do with it? How we spend it? How we use it? How we invest it? Is it for the kingdom? God's kingdom or for our kingdom? And so that's what we've been talking about. Um, this morning, what I want to talk to you about is what happens in work or in school um, or at the house, or in relationships, or however God kind of where your work environment is, maybe in retirement, or whatever. What happens when we face situations where, where somebody wants us to compromise our integrity? 
And this, this happens all the time. And for those of you in the workplace, um, you've probably experienced this at one time in your, in your career or another. Or if you're in, in school, you've, in your school career, you've probably experienced this at one time or another where all of a sudden you come face to face with a situation where the easy thing to do would be just to look the other way. The easy thing to do would be to just, look, just sign the document, fudge the numbers, let's get it over with so we can all move on. The easiest thing to do would be just to say, look, the government has enough. I'm going to inflate this or deflate this or whatever, and when it comes April 15th, I'll get mine. It becomes the easiest thing to do. Now, what, what do we do when that happens? It happened to me um, early in my career before I was a pastor, and I was, uh, we, our company had two warehouses, one in Los Angeles and one in San Francisco, and we had a very large client that uh, came to our San Francisco office, and um, uh, I, I was very young, and I flew up from uh, uh, Los Angeles to meet, meet him there. And one of the things that had been going on was every time that client came to our San Francisco office, the, another vendor would come as well, and everybody would go um, out afterwards. <laughs> Dinner, and then out again somewhere else. And, uh, and so I didn't, under, I didn't know this was happening or anything. Um, and so I flew in. We had a meeting. Everything went great. Everyone was happy. And now it came time to um, a- entertain the client. And so um, during the day, everyone started joking and kind of dropping hints uh, about this place. And um, I started realizing halfway through the day, it was going to get really awkward. (laughs) Like it was going to get kind of bizarre because everyone's, it's just like the day's moving along. I mean, we're about ready. We're done with inventories. We're done with kind of our technology thing. And we're going to kind of everybody pile into the the, the van and we're all going to dinner and we're all going. In other words, to... To not go to the final destination meant you were going to have to bail out early. And so I started thinking, well, maybe I could fake an emergency phone call. You know, yes, wow, your water broke. You know, wow. People are like, I didn't even know she was pregnant. Oh, totally. Are you kidding me? Okay, I'll be right there. You know, like I'm trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this? And here's the interesting thing that started to happen to me. And this this may have happened to you before. You start thinking to yourself, well... It would be too much trouble to pull back now. It would, be too, it would be too awkward. It would be too much. And I can probably get through this with minimal damage. That's what began to come in my mind. It began to just kind of like, okay, man, you're talking to like your number two client. All of a sudden, you're going to say, yeah, I can't go with you guys. I'm going to catch a cab back to the hotel room because I'm not hungry or whatever excuse you're going to come up with. This happened to uh, somebody I, I know, a high school student. Uh, he, it was very important for this student to get straight A's because straight A's, the difference between a straight A's and non-straight A's meant which college they were going to, and college was very important to him. And um, he... Uh, uh, was in this one class where he was going to get a B in this class if he did not ace this final. And uh, they were taking the final, and he got to a section that he didn't know. And 
uh, he was sitting next to some like poindexter guy who knows all the answers to everything. And you might be that person. I apologize, uh, but you're going to be fine. Um, and, and, and he looks over, glances over, and it's on the right page. And he, he tells me, he says, Pastor John, I realized then, li- listen to this, this is a high school student. I realized then I was going to make a decision, listen, for what kind of person I was going to be the rest of my life. And I said, did you look? <laughs> All right, you know, because it's like, you know, and he's like, no, I didn't look. And, and, and so he, he ended up getting an A in that class by one point, one point, and he followed, he followed through. That's the question. Am I going to look? Am I going to say it? Am I going to participate? We're all going to, in our, in a, wherever we are in our place in life, you might be in a relationship. And the relationship's going really good. You're dating someone and you really like them and they like you and you've been waiting your whole life for this and it looks like God, this is the person God wants you to marry and all of a sudden they start pressuring you. Usually the women are pressuring the men and um, so they start pressuring you and pressuring you and all of a sudden you come to this situation, you got to make a decision. And you go, man, this is going to be really pain. This is going to be really, really awkward. If I just all of a sudden draw a line in the sand right now. Because what happens is, you end up kind of judging them, huh? That's one of the things that makes it so hard. It's like, no, I'm not going to go to that. You know, why? Because it's wrong, sinner, (laughs) right? It's it's awkward to do the right thing. Let me, I want to share with you a story uh, of where this happened to somebody in just an unbelievable way. Um, it's in, uh, uh, there was this prophet named Daniel, and he wrote a book after he'd kind of gone through his life. He'd, he wrote a book that we call Daniel. And, uh, and we're going to start right in verse 1 uh, in chapter 1. It says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay? That means it didn't go well for Judah. That's just a big word for destroyed it. Okay? So, so just get your mind in this idea. I'll give you just a little bit of historical background. Um, there were t- the kingdom of Israel was divided between the north and the south. The north had been taken over by the Assyrians, and the south, Judah, ha- was still uh, an Israelite um, uh, region. And, and, and they were not following the things of God. And so God kept warning them in these three books, in uh, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, and Jeremiah, and just kept saying, you guys better change, you better change, you better change. It's coming, it's coming. And they were arrogant, and they wouldn't change. And so uh, uh, in the third year of this king that was in Judah, Nebuchadnezzar comes and just wipe, wipes them out, okay? Now listen to this. This is super key, okay? And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, Nebuchadnezzar's hand. This is super important for us to just just put that in the back of your mind. The Lord delivered him into his hand. Now watch what else the Lord did. This is incredible. Along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Here's what God allowed. God allowed his people to be conquered. And he allowed his temple to be robbed. 
Okay, now if you're an Israelite at this point, you don't even think this is possible. That someone would walk into the house of God and defile it and grab articles from the temple and bring them to their thing. This is unbelievable. And this is, where, this is where we are. So what happens is Babylonians come in, they take over, they grab some of the stuff out of the temple, they bring it into the temple of their God, and they grab some people. This is the first of three times they grab people out of Israel. And so they grab a bunch of these, a bunch of people. And this guy named Ashpenaz, which is an awesome, if you're going to have a kid, Ashpenaz. That's this is my son, Ashpenaz. It's really cool. Uh, chief of the court officials, he grabs all the best Israelite young men, and they're going to go serve in the temple, okay? Now watch what happens. If, if any of you are in HR, human resources or whatever, watch the criteria they use to hire these kids. We can't do this anymore, but it'd be fun if we could, okay? They have to be young men, okay? So you've already discriminated by age and by sex, okay? So that's two strikes. They have to be young men without any physical defect. So now, now we can't hire anyone with special needs. It's like we, the king was not really up to code, okay? It goes on. Handsome, you know, because why not? If they're going to be in the temple, in the thing all day, why not get the the good-looking guys, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. That makes sense. Well-informed. Um, uh, so that means they get the Wall Street Journal, listen to talk radio, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and qualified to serve. Oh, quick to understand. And then qualified to serve in the king's palace. Here's, here's what it looks like all together. Young men without any physical defect. Handsome. Showing aptitude for every uh, kind of learning. Well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. It's like the men of Living Spring, okay? If you just kind of, if there was a calendar, we'd, we'd all be on it, okay? Uh, it says, he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So, here we are. Uh, you're sitting in Judah by yourself. Everything's going great. The northern kingdom, they're conquered by the Assyrians. Of course, they should be because they're lame and we're awesome. All of a sudden, the Babylonians come in and wipe you out and they take you away from your family, most likely killing them, and you end up in their palace going, what in the world happened? Right? What happens is the story focuses on four guys from here. Okay? So the king assigns them daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. This was their, this was their goal. Among them, and here, here come kind of our, our heroes, among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. Would that be a bummer? Your name's Daniel, which is a totally cool name, like an awesome name. And they're like, Belteshazzar. And you're like, ah! You know, is that with two Zs? You know, practice, practice your, new, uh, your new signature, right? Daniel, Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. And here's the thing. I want you to put yourself in Daniel's place right now. He's obviously got a lot going for him, right? He's handsome, young. Some scholars put him at about 15 years old, okay? His parents have most likely been killed. He ends up in this place, and I mean, it's like, it's like survival time. 
all of a sudden, everything he knew has been flipped on its head. And he's got to figure out a way to survive. This may have happened for you. Maybe you've been in a company for 15, 20 years. Same boss, you love the guy or gal or whatever, and she, she ends up retiring and they bring in someone new who's going to, they're going to shake things up. And now, this job that you've loved all these years, you look forward to going to work. Now, you dread it, you hate it. Or all of a sudden, you're a young man or young woman and your parents split up. And things are going okay, you're doing the best you can, and all of a sudden, uh, dad finds a new girlfriend or mom finds a boyfriend and you're just, your world is rocked. What, what do you do? Or you're going to a school, maybe your parents move and you end up at another school and you knew everybody at that other school and now you're the new kid and you're being picked on. See, I think all of us in all sorts of areas of our lives are going to come to a place where we have to decide who we're going to be for the rest of our lives. We have to decide, what are we going to do when it gets hard? Now, put yourself again in Daniel's shoes. He's got every excuse in the book not to do the right thing. His parents dead, or, or, or at least they're separated. He doesn't know what he's doing. The God he served all his life heard stories about how awesome this God is, and this God created the universe, and this God, his house is right here, and, and, and it's holy, and we go, we'll sacrifice things to this God. He can't even stop the Babylonians from going into his house. See, at this point, Daniel doesn't know that the Lord behind the scenes is setting the whole thing up. To Daniel, these are just circumstances that are out of his control. All of a sudden, he turns around and he ends up in Nebuchadnezzar's palace. So what does he do? What do you do when you get to that situation at work? When you know you got sales numbers that need to be met, you got, you're calling people or doing whatever, and you know your boss wants you to start maybe talking about the product a little different, and it's not really what the product does, but... You're hoping someday it will, so maybe by the time they purchase it, the new revision will come out or your software or whatever. Maybe your teacher, maybe you want to copy and paste too big a text off the internet because you're tired and it's late and things aren't going right. What do you do? I want to show you real quick what Daniel does because I think this is the key to, to, to all of it. Having all the kind of excuses that we would all have, right? If I don't do it, they're going to kill me. That's pretty good. But most of us can't say that about our boss. Now, if I don't get that report on time, he will kill me, literally, right? Watch. Watch what Daniel does. But Daniel resolved. If you have a Bible, you can underline that word resolved, or but Daniel resolved. Daniel essentially is drawing a line in the sand, saying, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Now, this guy has every excuse to go the other way. You wouldn't blame him, right? Hey, how come you fudged those numbers? They were going to cut off my head. Oh, okay, well, that's fine, you know? I mean, I mean why, why, you know, why does it take me so little to get myself off track? Daniel was right there, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Do you know how gutsy that is? How incredibly, I mean, 
he's not talking, this is not like a uh, really well-established love relationship the Babylonians have with the Israelites. This is hardcore. Now watch what happens, because the next verse is kind of key. Because I think when we get to this point where we're willing to risk it all, that gives the biggest time for God to be able to move in our lives. If we want to have relationships go a certain way, we're, man, I, you know what, I, I, we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing, but it's just it's too hard to break it off, or it's too this or that. God says, he takes his hands off, and he goes, okay, li- go ahead and live your own life. When we, when we draw that line, when we say, I resolve, I am not going to allow my integrity to fall short here. Watch what happens. Now God had caused the official, to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. There's a book by Andy Stanley. It's called uh, Choosing to Cheat. And uh, it's on this entire section of Scripture. And th- that now God is the, the two words that he focuses the most on. That in fact, while it seemed hopeless, while it seemed God was not in control, when the th- items of the temple were actually being pulled out and nothing was happening to those people, They were just walking in there, defiling the temple of God. While that was all going, God was at work. And what Daniel allowed, when he he said, I'm resolving, this is it, this far, no more. He allowed God to move. And now God moved. It's pretty cool. The official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. Now, does that change everything? I mean, I mean, is that what's going to happen? Is that, you know, you're at work and you say, uh, you know, I've, I've decided I'm not going to, uh, you know, if the, if the boss is there and they tell me to say he's not there, I'm going to say he's standing right in front of me, you know, like, like, like is that, and then, and then God causes the boss's heart to melt and thank you for telling the truth, uh, you know, why, you know, we should promote you. We all know that doesn't happen. That, that's why I appreciate the Bible. It didn't say that, you know, and then the articles went back to the temple and Daniel lived happily ever after, Um, right? It says this, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. This, first of all, tells you just how bad things really were. This was the top official. You'd think it'd be someone with some guts and being able to do that. But listen to what he says. I'm afraid of my Lord, the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. That isn't just a term he's using. He'd have my head. No, he'd have his head. Like they'd really cut it off. Because what would happen is the king gives an edict and says, you're going to give this amount of food and this amount of wine to all those young men. You're going to train them for three years and then I want to see him again. And all of a sudden, if the king looks and there, you got David and he's like, he's, you know, he looks like, you know, he's all thin and emaciated and all that kind of stuff. The king's going to go, what, what's going on? What's wrong with these guys? Oh, they're, they're on a special diet. It's okay. It's a religious thing. It'll be fine. They'd kill him. So the guy's got a pretty good point. Now watch Daniel. Yeah, you're probably right. Forget it. Just give me some of that wine and all that food from the table. Daniel uses his head. He goes like this. He says, please test your servants for 10 days. Let, let's give it a little bit of time. 
and see if we do it the right way. Let's see if there's any consequences. He says, Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Now listen, think of the numbers here for me, with me a little bit. All these Israelite young men are doing the same thing. But there's only four doing it right. Daniel says, look, I I know all those other guys are doing it that way. They they got their captive. I don't blame them. You get captured, you know, almost a captive, captured, right? This king isn't messing around. We we got it kind of good that we're going to be in the palace, and let's just go. Let's just roll with it. It's, It's survival time. He has other people doing it the wrong way, and still he chooses. He says, why don't you give us 10 days and see what happens? What would that look like in our lives? You might have a certain kind of area in your life right now. You're thinking that God's telling you, just resolve right now that you're not going to do that. It, it, may be, it may be in your, in your uh, work. You know, you've, got, you've, you've kind of worked your way into a thing where, yeah, every week you kind of fudge some stuff. And that's just the way they do it in the industry. And, you know, it's, everybody does that. Maybe you're at school and you've just gotten in the habit of copying and pasting stuff that, you know, kind of does all your work for you or going to your buddy and go, hey, let me see your homework or whatever. Maybe God's calling you right now to go, hey, I want you to resolve in your heart not to do that. What's going to happen is our brains are going to do the next thing. Oh, man, if I don't do that, you don't know my boss. If I told him I wasn't going to do that anymore, you don't know the half of it. And I, I'd give you the same thing. Why don't you give God a month, two months, to see what would happen? Well, why, instead of taking the shortcuts, well, why don't you, now that you've learned this about yourself, begin to go to your Heavenly Father and say, God, I might end up losing it all for this decision. I might end up, you know... Uh, uh, the relationship's been progressing, 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 progressing. If I, if I stop it now, I may never get married. You know, you know what's interesting? Being a pastor, I've only been a pastor six years. It's amazing how many stories I hear over and over and over again of people who said, I resolve, I'm not going to do that anymore. And how God just came in and brought a miracle over and over and over again. And yet, isn't it hard right in the middle of it? I mean, it's easy when we talk about Daniel and we think, oh yeah, yeah, way to go, Daniel, that's cool. It's so hard when a group of people that we've been joking, maybe in a way we shouldn't be joking, comes in and you say, man, I'm not going to joke about that anymore. And they go, dude, what's your problem? And you go, "Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I just think it's wrong. What? It's hard. Here's the thing. I think that's where we meet God. In those decisions. In the decision to go, I resolve. Very next verse, now God. Then it goes on, but the official, oh, I don't know. Daniel sticks to his guns. Please test your, here's what happens. This is so cool. At the end of the 10 days, oh, so they agreed to the terms uh, and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished 
than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Let's just stop right there for a second. I wonder what it was like to be one of those younger men who just walked right in and just said, well, there's nothing we can do. We just defile ourselves. And all of a sudden, after 10 days, they look over and they go, man, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Belteshazzar, because <laughs> they've already learned their new names. Uh, man, we didn't have to do that. We, we didn't have to defile ourselves. The amount of regret, I wonder. Have you ever felt that regret? I know I have. Where, where I, I, I took a shortcut because I just, I just thought, man, I, I got I to do this on my own terms. I got to do this on my own terms. And I take my shortcut, and then it's obvious God was going to come through. And I go, man, why did I do that? This is the regret God wants us to avoid in our lives. And so they looked better than the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. That sounds like a curse to me, actually. Vegetables, right? I want a steak, right? Listen to this. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think God gave them the knowledge and understanding because they obeyed? I think he did. See, I, I think God said these are guys, and in our case, girls, ladies, men and women, young and old, these are people I can use. And so, at the end of the time, well, these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. The whole rest of the book is all about these visions and dreams he could understand. I wonder if he was going to be able to understand those anyway. What an exciting life to be called in on visions and dreams. It'd be cool. I think it's because Daniel resolved not to defile himself. I think God honors that. Let's check this out. At the end of the time set by king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. I wonder if he was going, I hope he doesn't ask why they look better than everybody else, you know, because then he's, you know, it's like, well, I changed their diet a little bit. Well, why didn't you do it with every, you know, off with your head. Okay. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Listen to this. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. That's amazing. It's not just a story. It's not just a kid's story, although it, it's cool. <laughs> it is a cool story. You could tell it to your kids. But really, I mean, this is a life principle. And we've all been around long enough to have seen it actually played out, probably in our own lives. And we've all lived long enough to see it not play out or to play out the wrong way. When we think, why did I give in in that last moment if I had held out for just a little bit longer? So anyway, I, I, the clients were up in San Francisco and... Um, it came time uh, 
to all pile in the van. And uh, I was like, I was young, I was new in my career. And I'm thinking, this is, this is the end. I'm going to lose my job. And so I said, hey, where are we, where are we going? And they said, well, we're going to, you know, go out to eat. And I'm like, I, I can eat. <laughs> you know, it's not like Daniel where I, you know, I, I cannot eat that choice food. Um, and then we're going to go to a strip club. And um, I'm like, strip steak or strip strip? No, I, I didn't say that. And I just said, I can't go. I can't, I can't do that. And I thought, man, this is, this is hard. It, I hated it. I was so uncomfortable. And the one guy goes, oh, okay, let's, let's not do that then. Let's just go out to dinner and then uh, we'll drop you off at the hotel and we'll go. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, no consequences? Now, here's the thing. So I tell you that it has a nice happy ending and there were, there were no consequences. We ended up keeping that account for, I think we still have it now. But here's the thing. There's going to be pain. You're going to feel pain one way or the other. To, to draw your line is going to cost you something. To not draw your line will eventually cost you more. But we would rather, at least I oftentimes, would rather deflect a little bit of pain now in order not to feel it. And then I wonder why I'm reaping so much pain later. Let, let, let me show you. Here's kind of the, the, the pattern that we see. But Daniel resolved, now God had caused. God, whatever situation you're going through right now, God is in it. He's working. He loves you. He's got a, 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 an outcome that he wants. That, that job you're in right now where it's just like, man, everybody's just completely so carnal and worldly. And it's just like every time you go in there, God has a plan for that. It might be for you to quit. It might be the best thing for you. He, he, I don't know. But there will be pain. If you're in a relationship and it's going too far too fast and you've got to put the skids on it, it, it is going to hurt. It's hard. Those things are hard. But I would rather have my God causing things because of my obedience, even though they may be painful, than have Him absent so that I'm there just to reap all the things on my own. Here's the question, your number one point on your outline. Um, as Luke comes up, we're going to take communion. Here's the question. It's, again, who has a point that's actually a question? <laughs> this is my point for the sermon. It's a question. Like, shouldn't you be answering questions? No, I, want the, I want the Holy Spirit to answer this question for myself. How am I any different Okay, we all got picked up by the Babylonians. All of our parents died, and now here we are. How am I any different? Okay, we all work for the same company. We all have the same sales numbers that we got to get. We all have this, we all, we're all in the same uh, education system, and we all have the same pattern of trying to get through college and get a new job and all that kind of stuff. How am I any different than anyone else? How, okay, let me put it this way. How am I allowing room in my life for God to move? 